0: Fantasy-animation.org is a website with a difference. It is not-for-profit, and it's run entirely by academics and professional animators, and this means that whether you are reading our latest blog or accessing our latest podcast – thanks for downloading, by the way – you can be sure that you are getting the most up-to-date and informed commentary on the colliding worlds of fantasy storytelling and the medium of animation. Whether you are a budding animator yourself, a student of fantasy or animation, or just someone who wants to learn more about the history and theory behind these overlapping media, mediums and genres, why not find out more at fantasy-animation.org or subscribe to our various social media threads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Reddit at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research. While you're at it, subscribe to the podcast, give us a star rating, and better yet, a quick written review as well. It all helps to make the visibility of our project even stronger and attract more like-minded people like yourself to our growing network of fans. For now, do enjoy the show.
1: Listeners, welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast with me, Chris Holiday, and me, Alex Sargent. We are back on, for me, quite safe-ish territory in terms of computer animated films. We're doing Monster yeah. House. Why? Why the? Yeah. Oh no, just it is, isn't it? It's all, yeah. This is all your wheelhouse. Oh, this sprites. is on
0: computers jumping around yeah. doing things. Yes, yeah, so this is That's uh, what you like, isn't it? Yes,
1: <laughs> that is true. So, I mean, I'm interested in the film for lots of lots of reasons. Computer animated filmmaking, of course. So it's 2006. So just. 10 years and a bit after Toy Story so we're still relatively I would say in computer animated films infancy Mm -hmm. let's say Um, it has an interesting kind of industrial side so it's um, uh, courtesy of the Image Movers um, studio and we can talk a little bit about uh, a period of Hollywood cinema where a lot of subsidiaries are being formed in relation to animation I think so there's a bit in this a bit in the introduction to my book Alex that talks a little bit about the shift within Hollywood of these kinds of little companies and image movers that would kind of offshoot image movers digital so there's a bit of stuff on on kind of the industry um yeah kind of performance performance capture that kind of stuff um and yeah a, a kind of sub cycle sub genre or a little thread of the things that we've talked about I feel like the animated house has cropped up in little ways when we talk about anthropomorphism and things like that so yeah, probably. Um, a nice counterpoint to something like Up perhaps Cool. yeah um, Yeah.
0: Um, uh, and for me uh, first time watching it but uh, obviously some things around fantasy in it uh, uh, obviously some things because, around because, fantasy because, because, because that's good um, mm, yeah. um, and you know I think we could I don't know we'll, we'll see where we go with it but I was thinking a lot about the kind of you know the liminal world between fantasy and horror particularly when we were yes. children and things like that and what what we would class this movie as if we if we wanted to yeah. um ideas of metaphor we've talked about that before and the kind of fantasy and animations yeah. kind of capacity for metaphor and and, and yeah re- yeah uh, representing Great. things figuratively literally and all that kind yeah. of fun stuff so yeah
1: It's gonna be good. Great, Uh, yeah, and on that note of kind of childhood, I think, and particularly childhood, children in relation to animated film, um, television, obviously fantasy as well. um, We're delighted to have as our guest for this podcast, Dr. Jane Batkin, who is Associate Professor within the School of Film, Media, and Journalism here at the University of Lincoln, which is where we're currently recording this episode at the BAFS Conference. Um, Jane's areas of teaching lie within film and animation studies, though looking at her bio, her educational background is media studies, cultural studies, and creative writing as well. Um, She's one of our Associate Editors for the Fans Animation website, and is currently working on a monograph on childhood in animated film and TV related to a British Academy Award, hurrah, for research um, obtained, or or for research, related to um, a project entitled The Secret Space of Childhood in Animated and Live Action Cinema Performance, Preservation and Metaphor. Uh, I would also say her earlier book on identity and animation, a journey into self-difference, culture and the body from Routledge in 2017, uh, has appeared on my animation module syllabus uh, pretty much every year since its publication and also had the pleasure of working with Jane when she contributed a chapter to the recent Snow White book. So thank you ever so much. We grabbed you, so thank you for, for coming on the podcast to talk to us about Monster House. Thank you for
2: inviting me. <laughs> nice to be here.
1: Um, so what is it about Monster House as this sort of... Um, I don't know, kind of 2006, yeah. uncanny fantasy horror that engages with childhood?
2: I just love this film. Um, Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, my kids grew up watching this film, um, both of them, and we request that it be put on, like, every day in the holidays. Um, and normally that leads to you hating the film <laughs> Yeah, and having too much of it, but... Um, it's just I, what I love about it is I feel like it's a real celebration of childhood yeah um, I know it's like fantasy and it it kind of verges into horror uh, and people talk about it as if it's sort of this um, this roller coaster ride through fantasy and horror but yeah. I just see it as celebrating childhood and and it's a film about the child space where the adults are prohibited um And when the adults venture into
1: that space it doesn't work out well for them Mm. and this feels like it's something obviously your research has been in identity uh related to to animation obviously a new project related to childhood so is childhood something that you've kind of always been interested in in the way that it maps into films because of of, of the a lot of computer animated films feature children as protagonists but not quite like this this film this film seems to be doing something so in relation to kind of the study of childhood, what is what is it about this film that's doing those sort of really interesting things with childhood? What is what does Monster House do with childhood that you think's interesting?
2: I think the problem with there's a problem in animated children's film in that, um, particularly around this time period, where the children weren't really they weren't really given much agency, um, and they were kind of under the adults' control. So I think that the difference with Monster House is that the children, uh, you know, are given real agency. Uh, they act. Um, they kind of solve the problem. Yeah. Um, DJ, you know, he's been written about quite a lot as, as a character that kind of um, uses violence. And it, and that's the first animated child character that uses violence right, to right. get to the end goal. You know, like he takes the stick of dynamite from, mm. from the adult. Um, and, and lots of people have written about that. But um, Iris... Um, Shepherd and Megan Troutman have said there's a problem with the lack of childhood, and lack of children that have agency in uh, in animated films, uh, and I think to a certain degree I I do agree with them, particularly in this time period that Monster House is set. You know, I mean, and the films that have come out that year, um, we've got Cars and Over the Hedge and The Wilds, and things like that. Oh, it's just music know. to my ears. These kinds of <laughs> movies, you
1: know. So, well, Over the Hedge.
2: Yeah, the the wild
0: a Bambi too, as well. How could I forget that one? Of course, how, how could you? What's <laughs> well, so that's very interesting because I you know uh, uh, someone that doesn't get quite as excited when he hears over the hedge being referenced yeah. in a conversation. <laughs> I, one assumes that of all the spaces in cinema that give children agency, it would be animation and and yeah. and, and so called children's films, which I'm quoting. Um, so mm-hmm. what is this a particular problem? that is diagnosed of this era? Or, or is it that actually the supposed agency we might think we're going to find in these films aren't often there more broadly?
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, we think that Toy Story is the first you know, like animated film but it's not really about childhood.
1: No, you know, sure.
2: It's, it's about adult toys who kind of who help the kids and, and stuff like that, so... Um,
0: well, they've often been read as, as basically about parenting. Anything yeah, else, right? Woody yeah. and Woody and Buzz are, yeah. are watching Andy grow. It's it's you know it's a film for parents more than a film for children in that respect.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then you get a kind of interesting uh, representations like Lilo and Stitch. You know, at the turn of the century, where you've mm-hmm. you got you know a real proper agency child there, um, and Stitch is as kind of a doppelganger, really. Um, so you've you've got this presence, but it's a sort of a problematic presence. I always think that we need more children to be um, acting and and to be solving problems than mm. we have, and we expect this is a space where we expect to find that happening. Mm. We expect to find these mm. kids that are full of agency and full of direction and decision making and, and power. But I think in this era, you know, at the turn of the century to going up to two thousand six when Monster House is set. Um, it is problematic, and I think Monster House is, isn't that celebration of childhood? It's a celebration of, of the child and what the child can do, and mm. the child is having complete control yeah. over their world.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it, it's interesting that that the thinking that I've done about computer animated films and childhood has often been almost at the expense of the image of the child you know I have been interested in the child's voice in in, yeah. in computer animated films where we're dealing with children but actually the stuff that I've I've written about in relation to childhood has often been through things like play or through things like kind of subjectivity so anthropomorphic subjectivity where, where you have the point of view of a rat in Ratatouille and the rat scurries around and it means you have these different perspectives of, of a world which kind of mirrors the way that children move through the world and see from different perspectives, and I've said before on the podcast, kind of moving through a space that's not built for them. But these aren't... They're about children, or they're about... They think through childhood as a paradigm, but they don't present children doing active things, as you say, making decisions and having impact on the narrative. So this, again, feels very different because it's both about childhood, but it really has child protagonist and performers and actors yeah. really driving the the story so even though computer animated films kind of nominally are about childhood because they're about ideas of play or they're about ideas of exploration yeah. and about the bodily boundaries about you know what I can what I can do what what I can't do. Mm. I suppose the formation of identity, socialisation. This this is more. I guess are we reading this more in terms of like narrative? Like narratively, these characters are doing these things to affect the 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 story, the outcome, the drama.
2: Yeah, yeah. But also, I think I mean, there's a real difference because this is um, mocap. Um, the way that the children were uh, brought into this, you know, yeah. they brought into the studio. Um, uh, I think it's Culver City, um, and they were, well, they were auditioned in groups of three. Okay. You know, right, to, right. I guess the two, two boys and a girl, to get the right trio the film so yeah it, maybe that's why you know it, i think it's so successful but so they auditioned the three kids and the director Gil um ken and keenan keenan kenan,
1: kenan? kenan ken kenan, we'll go with kenan, kenan, kenan Gil kenan, kenan so let's do American, that yeah. um <laughs> uh,
2: so he really wanted this kind of natural um behavior from the kids and it, it's like every filmmaker is always trying to capture the kids true performance yeah. and how this is how children will really act and this is how children really think and it never works <laughs> it's never that true representation of the job mm. but I think Monster House is really different in that sense because they auditioned them um, they picked the three so um, Childer, Sam Lerner DJ uh, Mitchell Musso uh, Jenny Spencer Locke yeah. uh, and they picked them on that, how they interacted with each other so there was a, a natural chemistry Uh, between these kids um, and then they brought them into this studio uh, and they took away all of the props and then they just had wire frames for the props for them to interact with and they said that that was really difficult for these kids to start with because You know, they they weren't interacting with anything, just each other. But then maybe that's why these relationships got strengthened. Mm -hmm. And then once they got over that kind of artificiality in this kind of theatrical mocap performance, uh, the chemistry just took off, and you can see it in the film with
1: it. It's funny though. You say you can see it, but obviously you can't.
2: No, you can't see it. So, (laughs) so yeah. Yeah. So I think there's actually
1: I've not really thought about the implications of child. Perform obviously, there, are, there was writing by Karen Lurie on the child in cinema, and that mm-hmm. that, that sort of un, there's an uncanniness to children, anyway, because mm-hmm. of the sort of are they the, the, the sort of the relationship that they have to adulthood, they're sort of people, but uncanny yeah. people, they yeah. can be kind of queer figures between two states in terms of kind of childhood and, and as they uh-huh. move through adolescence and transformations, the children are kind of uncanny. Um, mm-hmm. Histories of horror cinema tell us that children are uncanny yeah. um, One of my first ever conferences was about the child in cinema and it was, it was kind of raising these sorts of, uh, of questions um, but children themselves as uncanny when placed in the context, or, and, and that uncanny are they acting or are they just yeah. being Mm-hmm. Is, is it right that Anna Paquin won the Oscar for The Piano? And and some of the resistance yeah. I remember to her was that, well, she's not acting, she's just being a child, and they filmed it, and she's won an Oscar for it. So children are kind of uncanny in lots of ways, but I've not really thought about the implications of children in the production, the specific production culture of a mocap film.
0: So, sorry to ask the Luddite question. Yeah. Um, to slip back into a role that's ever so comfortable for me. Yeah. So just to... So the kids... Act like uh, this is captured performance of the three child actors in the film. So would they have would they have put them in like the you know I don't know the kind of Tron suit I'm picturing in my head right now? Like are they their bodies all kind of put in the kind of digital and then have to go into a VR space and do all that sort of stuff?
1: Um, is that is that is that how this thing film was made or so well motion capture yeah, motion yeah. capture ways yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's very similar so this is um, on our, I think on our footnote on motion capture talking talking about the kind of death of motion capture that's not long after this film not because yes. of this film but just not long after it yeah so 2011 2012 where it's perhaps fair to say Hollywood's moving away from motion capture in this sort of this sort so of in, sense.
0: in the kind of animated films that's becoming a VFX. <laughs>
1: Yes, era. away from because I can't remember exactly when the uh, the Hobbit films were, but that obviously sort of yeah, re- 20, brought that. Yes, yeah, that, so that animated films. Mars and These Mums is 2011, which is sort of the, the sort of that's the big flock. That that's kind the of big flop, these, But it? then you get your Hobbit movies, which are sort of rehabilitating the technology through Smaug and through. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I can't remember. I've not seen them as Gollum yeah. in those ones as well. Uh, briefly, um, and then so, and so then, that, that sort of. And time. then like, the Planet of the Apes and. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it kind of gets. That's interesting. It kind of gets rehabilitated through a particular kind of of franchise movie that we've already actually had before. And in fact, both of those franchises were at the early two thousands anyway. The sort of re re.
0: So, so 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 this is a film that kind of just like just like Jim Catwell Well, we can query just like in a minute. But like Jim Carrey in uh, Christmas Carol or Tom Hanks in The Polar Express, this is a film that captures. Perform. the child actor uh, in those kind of performative spaces yeah. that makes me want to ask a load of questions uh, I don't know if anyone has answers <laughs> but, uh, but like so it sounds like that's really interesting in that uh, the environment you create yeah. must both I, but yes so performing in front of a camera is one thing yeah. performing without the camera's presence but in a kind of VR studio and having to wear all these things yeah. it sounds like they were very keen to create an environment that Help them um, uh, return to our kind of. Or, or, I guess the the glib way we'd say is we want them to forget their acting yeah. and just sort of start and being. Get, and get yeah.
2: them to play. So it's, it's an environment. Play, and yes. Like, sure. What they wanted, um, Kenan's talked about this, and is to kind of like encourage imaginative play because at that time you know children imaginative play is transformed by 2006 you know in the real world it's yeah. become something different um so, so why is
1: that What what's happening in 2006 then in terms of this sort of because youtube's the year before so now yeah. people are watching well, there
2: you go. yeah yeah so is that
1: it is that the sort of that child's play means something different in this period
2: i think it becomes much more digital doesn't it how, yeah you know and um, not like how how I remember playing <laughs> in, in there a long, long time ago, you know, before the digital era. Yeah. But so I think it's like taking these kids back to uh, what is imaginative play. And they probably sort of struggled a fair bit to begin with. Yeah. Um, and then they they used 200 infrared cameras and six video cameras to, um, to capture that. Yeah. So it's just getting them, I think, to be comfortable with each other and um, the, the, I think the thing that strikes me about this film when you mention Polo Express is, is um, I, I can't watch Polo Express. I find Polo Express really uncanny. Yes. Um, But what I like about Monster House, because obviously it's still mocap and it can be attacked in the same sort of way.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, But I love Monster House because, uh, you know, the director said we're not trying to be too photo real. So the heads were mm. really enlarged. Yeah. Um, and his his kind of reasoning was to make them look more like puppets. Yep. Um, and also these massive heads that you... And they really do have big heads. Mm. Um, so they're very exaggerated, but they make them look like puppets and they bring in a whole host of expressions. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like there's more of an identity of, of kind of... um the figure itself and, and what can be done with that mm-hmm. because mocap isn't isn't the end of, of the journey, you know. So yeah. um, uh, armatures being modelled from clay and scanned in. There's just a difference between Monster House and Power Express. And it just yeah,
1: it. I've got so many questions I've got so many questions <laughs> and, and thoughts. So so um, it's all,
2: it's, you know subjective isn't it
1: about the way that we see them well, we, I, I remember we, we were talking again about this um, a couple of days ago about the, the kind of the, the, the quality of the images mm. and they are yeah. they do pull back a little bit yeah. from that sort of Polar Express, So, Polar Express yeah. is only two years before this yeah. 2004 um, uh, this is 2006 and then three years later you'll get um, well two years later you get Beowulf, or a year later you get Beowulf then a couple of years after that you've got Christmas Carol so a lot's happening in that in this period in the first sort of 10 years of the of the um, yeah. new millennium so we've got children that we need to think about motion capture in interesting ways not just aesthetically but in terms of production cultures we've got children coming in and playing and mocap perhaps being a place where the, a, a, t- a kind of technology that is facilitating this play because you mentioned the wireframe go on Alex well, you're no, just, pointing I, just, at me just
0: because we just well, I meant to say this earlier is that it's not that it's not just that they're kind of so the adults the creatives are trying to get children back to a position a pre-digital position perhaps where they are playing imaginatively the analog with the world <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah of course their are on digital technology yeah, to, do, to that. do that so it's, so a,
2: contradiction, it's, well, it's it? a
0: contradiction it's a paradox so It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. make it not fun to talk about but um uh, it's almost like what they're trying to do is make the digital playful in the kind yeah. of same Way that yeah. a stick is playful, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, um, so that's that's an interesting phenomenon to think through. I think you, you can know.
2: imagine also the the real challenges that they would have had, like going into this space, you know, which would have been um, quite dwarfing, and and then thinking about those wireframe props. Yeah, sounds really yeah. weird, doesn't it? Like yeah. and children just would, I think, just come into their own. I think that's what happened with these because. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, learning to play with nothing there, nothing in the
0: room. But but again, but again, at least there's a sort of a most. This is a kinetic space. This is mm. a, a, a physicalized space. When we think about digital technology, particularly in this era, we think about screens and and passive and uh, you know um, very. Um, uh static or or sedate modes of kind of interaction Mm. but this i mean i i'm I'm actually just thinking of like we we've, we've got so we've got a uh extended reality center at portsmouth with a lot of these kind of gizmos that i only half understand and when we do showcases actually it is quite playful in the sense that they you know we demonstrate and people jump onto the mat and suddenly their avatar is up on the screen and they're giggling and they're mm-hmm. laughing in a way that's not dissimilar to i don't know some cliched images like you know the piano scene from big or something know, these sort of images of of, of kinetic childlike play um it, it looks like that and i'm remembering things like uh the Millennium Dome I don't know why this is popping into my head but there was like a play space in the Millennium Dome that was all about digital technology and you had like a tug of war with uh, a digital uh, wrestler on the other end of the screen and things like that so yes. I just think what it sounds like the film is trying to do is, is yeah. make digital technology playful and the way it yes. does that is to celebrate a moment of technological innovation whereby these screens become kinetic again. They become objects. They become environments. They become playgrounds. Um, these all require spaces and places and things to jump over and under and these kind of you know basic yeah. but important yeah. things.
2: I think it's um, it's about that capture. I mean, you mentioned Karen Lurie and yeah, you know, it really in- her writing really interests me. Um, uh, and I always think that when she talks about the childhood capture it's ca- you're trying to capture some performance. Um, and she says if this is the real child then it's uh, kind of this freakish performance Mm. that you see on screen um, thinking about live action children because if they can just cry on cue like that you know it's it becomes more freakish and it becomes more uncanny how is that is that real or is that just um, a false performance that's just put on but um, I like to think about kind of I apply her um, research in that sense to the animated child, and yeah. think about it as an artificial capture. So it's a similar sort of thing, but obviously, um, normally the animated child is completely controlled by the animators, mm. and, you know, and the director, and, and the child is completely malleable and pliable, but not in Monster House.
1: Yeah, and, and also voiced by. An adult, so a lot. Are we yeah, talking, a lot yeah. of animated children are voiced mm. by. Often yeah. it happens on television, and I do think computer animated films have trodden new ground. Um, mm with regards to from monsters in onwards, was recording the sounds of a child and folding yes. that into the the production of, of of as a sort of yeah be analog for a bit and and this is how you're negotiating the real and they'll just fill in what these objects are going to be so i think that's really interesting kind of the role of child. and this film also comes out the year before ratatouille which famously has that disclaimer in the credits about motion capture being this cheat so i think motion capture is still interesting in this period it's yeah. still kind of a novelty it's still mm. fun and maybe that's part of the rhetoric of the film like the interviews the children are on set and they're having fun and they're playing and this is all so that's I think that's really interesting not really thought about children in relation to motion capture before mm-hmm.
0: um, I have one more note on the sort of story of the production yeah, yeah. we should move on to the, yeah. the story of the film is. itself yeah, yeah, yeah we teased Which is, it so. do, and this is this is a sort of this is the, the confessional part of it because I, 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 I would like to be by the end of this episode recording I want to have a different reaction to the film to the one I currently have not uh, in terms of the narrative. I know. Not, uh, not, yeah. Boo. Not, boo. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, We've had our first boo hiss uh, on the podcast. Excellent. Again, all getting cut out, so that's fine. Um, uh, I like I like the film. I like the themes. I like the ideas. I like the narrative. I like the characters. The visuals I found um, unsatisfying. And that's the thing I would like to not think at the end of the thing, because I actually haven't got a good reason why I find them unsatisfying. Mm. I spent a lot of time thinking, why does this, to me, feel cheap? And I thought that's a really rubbish mm. um, reaction. Actually, I'm having because I don't think rhubarb and custard looks cheap. I think it looks charming and quaint and British punky, <laughs> punky and anarchic yeah, and yeah, all yeah. these sort awesome. of you yeah, know, and 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 all these sort of things. And yeah. I don't think uh, early Ardman looks mm. cheap. Um, uh, so what am I doing by having? this reaction mm. and, I, and i'm still sort of halfway i'm still not sure what the answer to that is but there's there's obviously something about all these other mediums that are have a handheld um or, or or a hand involved in the kind of making yeah, that whereby that's th- there's that a that charm that, yeah. to the revelation of the presence of the artistic I- intervention yeah. yeah there's the there's and we've talked a bit about that on the podcast before and things, things to craft yeah and all that mm. kind of stuff here there's What it might dramatize is this idea that because um, computer animation is so associated with technology, the technology has to be really good, or it fails. Or good in you know it has to be the best, the most late, the latest, the most all this sort of stuff, or it fails. And I don't really like that as a as a as a solution. So can so. Talk to me about the kind of because it is kind of it's hard to even describe really, but it's 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 certainly not you know I don't mind the the caricature, big heads, and that's all kind of fun stuff. But there's a kind of lack of I don't know, lack of detail to the I don't know to the to the the way the characters are matted or painted or. I'll stop there, but what could you can you? Am I articulating something that you sort of you're nodding? So good, Jane. Help me out. <laughs> help me out of this insane cul de sac of a question. <laughs> um,
2: I don't know because it makes me think. Well, what about early? Just you know, just early animated CGI. Yes. It's what's the difference? You know, it's like where's does the 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 feelings of cheatness come from? Is it because it's it's just that idea of the cheats? You know, the cheat of mocap, yeah. maybe. I don't know um yeah i don't i don't know i mean i think i think about it as in terms of the capture maybe Mm -hmm. so for me the more times and i've seen this film so many times so perhaps it's become familiar and and the first time you see it maybe it's the um unfamiliarity with this and it you're thinking what is odd about this and what kind of place um why isn't this like other like cgi animated films um, and maybe it's that maybe yeah. it's become does it do you feel like it's a little
0: bit uncanny a little bit but actually uh, the the despite the fact I knew this was a sort of from the production house of these Zemeckis yeah. things I hadn't really been thinking about that but maybe that's yeah. maybe I should have been maybe that's what I might have helped unpack it it was more just little things like the sort of you know the rendering of the hair like things like that that I'm mm-hmm. probably c- both consciously and consciously comparing to like what Pixar were probably doing at the time and there's just there's this. it felt it felt it felt like a kind of you know I remember sort of cartoons coming out like sort of you know Nickelodeon cartoons and things like that coming out at this time and you could notice the difference between the kind of rendering softwares or whatever mm. it was between the two and it felt like that I don't know I, as I said I don't think I don't think I've got a good answer which is why I don't really want to have it as the but 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 it does make me think a lot about kind of this idea of this you know t- can we but bo- we're not an, an element of the things I like about rhubarb <coughs> and custard and Wallace and Gommet is probably nostalgia. Yeah. Can we be nostalgic That's about about CGI in the yeah. way we can about kind of you know old cartoons and, and and in a way I thought well the first answer to that question is probably not but then the more I've thought about it actually like certainly like I can be you know there's lots of, you know I I think back on things like you know early Space Invaders games or Pac Man yeah. and things like that yeah. and that kind of that. I can be nostalgic about that, or we were talking last night about sort of you know early video games that might have uh, I might have played as a sort of adolescent and things like that, and that they, the graphics are a bit naff on that, but you can be nost- so it's yeah. that where can when can you be nostalgic about about the kind of about computers when computers are kind of all about this progress or die kind of mm. you know narrative. Mm. I don't know. I
2: think that's true, but I think I think you can be nostalgic about the themes yes. that are happening in the film. So. Um, for me that's what makes it and you've got references to the old video arcades and, yeah. and all of these things are great I think um, but I do agree You know I don't watch other CGI films of the time and I don't have that um, affection for them You know, right. I was a real fan of Rhubarb and Custard as well um, so for me I love the nostalgia that 2D brings me and CGI doesn't bring me the same mm-hmm. but does it bring does it bring that to a younger generation? Yeah, you know? it's a good question. So when I'm teaching students and they've all seen Toy Story, and uh, I always start the classes by saying, you know, what's the first film you saw at the cinema? Um, and it's always an animated film. And for them, it's a CGI animated yeah. film. Mm-hmm. For me, it was um, Disney's Robin Hood. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and it's mm-hmm. like yeah. a Aladdin. different world. Aladdin for me,
0: yeah. Yeah. Little Mermaid. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, let, ho- this is hopefully an easier question then, which is sort <laughs> of half an hour let's, in. Let's uh, do. The, <laughs> let's get into watching the film yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. rather than how it was made. So, do you want to give us a, sort of, or well, the listeners for the benefit, what the, the synopsis of the movie, so we all can yeah. kind of start to unpack it? Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah.
2: So, DJ is um, a bored adolescent living in this idyllic suburban setting um and out of boredom spies he's spying on his neighbor's house um and starts to realize that something strange something untoward is going on um through the use of his telescope and, and realizes that there's something quite not quite right with neighbour neighbour cracker's house um and the pitch for the film was a house that eats children <laughs> <laughs> so it's trying to sort of tap into um that horror element but
1: but certainly is a very engaging kind of pitch okay. for it. So what? he's oh. so Nebuchadnezzar. No, I was going to say, so is a kind of elderly, so voiced by Steve Buscemi, yeah. um, who has a little, you know, has form when it comes to animated voice work. Monsters Inc. So um, okay. it plays out like a little bit of well, I was going to say, Disturbia, but what I really mean is Rear Window or the episode of The what? Simpsons where. That's well, what I, I was gonna. What does this wife. play out like?
0: Is a very good question yeah. in terms of all the kind of genre. Yeah. Yeah. From Jane's description yeah. there, it does. It sounds like Rear Window. Yeah. It also sounds like kind of the Fall of the House of Usher, like yeah. a kind of you know demonic Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. yeah, you
2: know that um, Cannon was was influenced. He said this in interviews. He's influenced by E. T. Okay. He's influenced um, by lots of different things: Hitchcock, Gremlins. You know, um, and then you've got obviously all of the references Rear Window, um, as well as all the nostalgic references in the film. Um, but what I, the story that I really love about this is uh, when they were looking for, you know, kind of the setting, what kind of suburban reality they were going for in the film. Uh, they took a golf cart, um, Kennan and um, Spielberg's designer. Uh, around the Universal backlot, so they went round there in a golf cart, having a lovely time, looking at all the artificial sets yeah. and all of the houses. Ah. They stopped at um, the Psycho House.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs>
2: Got out, and um, Kenan was, uh, you know, is his uh, his own account of this. Um, he was fooling around in in the Psycho House and sort of rolling around on the floor and and channeling his inner child, apparently. Um, and people came past outside because obviously they were doing tours all the time and he just jumped out of the doorway. You know, so there's- Just a normal production. Just a normal production (laughs) for the film. You've got that play, that element of play from this really young director uh, who then is is kind of like watched over by the executive producers, you know, Spielberg and Zemeckis. It's kind of acting like his godfathers and he's tapping into all these, his own influences. But a lot of these are kind of Spielberg-esque.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, yeah, and and there's a kind of weird merger of the Hitchcockian with the Spielberg in that anecdote. And indeed, you know, I I've got Psycho written down in my notes because there is this kind of weird. So as the mystery unfolds and we get the kind of story of the house and this kind of the house is a body, it's a lost body. It's you know, it's a very. it, It has resonance with with things like Psycho, and I've read you know countless analyses of Psycho as a kind of you know. Uh, as a psycho kind of architectural space where we've got the kind of judgmental superego in the top where Norma keeps his mother and then but the basement where the and like all this kind of yeah. the way the, 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 the architecture, the design of the house yeah. maps into the psyche of the character and that's very much the case of, of this movie as well the house is as much a body as it is uh, yeah, anything so else it's
2: tapping into the supernatural tapping into the horror elements but I also love kind of that uh, rear window um, Reference that you get, he's watching the house, you know, through his telescope. Mm. It's like, why is it? Why is it this boy doing this? And um, but it's it's sort of like, and, it, and then it takes Rear Window several steps further, doesn't it, into the supernatural, into the um, you know the animated mocap. Um, mm. Scene uh, and through those themes somewhere where Rear Window doesn't go because it's a Hitchcock um, horror, it's a thriller, it's all of those things. So at Monster House is it's kind of a, hey, let's start there. Let's start yes. with that reference. Let us start there and let's see where we can go with this. Mm. Yes. So yeah, in right into the supernatural.
1: It's quite a as I was saying before we started it. Yeah. It's quite a dark, dark, especially the, yeah. the the way that the plot unfolds and these children kind of deserve it. A lot of films, a lot of films. Perhaps about childhood, or maybe TV programs about childhood, or about a, a kind of a crusty neighbour, an old crusty neighbour mm-hmm. who actually kind of softens during a particular, yeah. or a, or a headmaster, or a, a, a figure that gradually they come to have a mutual respect for, or, so that kind of relationship mm-hmm. between between a, a weird, even you know even stuff like Home Alone, you've got old, that, the old man Marley who shovels yeah. that. There's always a kind of the world, and adults are a lot scarier than maybe the children think. Yeah. But anyway, so. These three children are observing this house. We find out that the house is the embodiment of Nebuchadnezzar's wife, who slipped into the foundations when the house was being built. Um, she met Nebuchadnezzar as kind of part of a circus show. She uh, has this fear of having stuff thrown at her, and so this is the the grounding of the of of why the house takes on these and then it gradually sort of becomes personified beyond and this is where the kind of animation takes over and for a film rooted in the realism of movement let's say afforded by motion capture we have some quite outlandish supernatural sort of bits to it the magic of animation is, is, is visible not in the child characters but in the, the sort of the spaces let's say these sentient spaces um, so the house sort of comes comes alive the children kind of offer it a fake child because there are rumours that toys, uh, that that kind of things are going missing and people are going, so it kind of feeds it this child that's um, kind of cobbled together with all these bits of toys and things like this. it's quite a, it's quite a dark, a dark no, film yes, in terms is. of what it's tapping into. Um, so, that uncanniness. So, it's almost, quite, in some ways, often, it feels perfect for motion capture because it's kind of uncanny yeah. in that sense. Yeah.
0: Quite often, the backstory of these movies, when they're yeah. finally revealed, it's the kind of redemption, isn't it? So, I like, oh, it's not as scary as we thought. It's just that so the Lundgren. old man needs a, yeah. needs a friend or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, mis- un- it's a misunderstanding. But it, with Monster House, yes. you, you're just <laughs> led along that journey, through that journey. Uh, and that landscape of childhood and the kind of these horror elements for an awfully long time yeah. before you realise actually, Nemagrac was just trying to warn him.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, because when he's shouting at them, um, uh, the, the thing with the ball that I absolutely love, and uh, you know, and and DJ's trying to be all grown up. I'm a grown up now, and Charlie says, "Well, you go get the ball then, as you're the grown up." Yeah. Um, and DJ's response because he's so scared of going onto the lawn of Nebuchadnezzar's house. He says, the ball doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Just brilliant, you know? Um, and then Nebuchadnezzar comes out and he shouts, you know, this is not a playground, just before he collapses. And they think that, you know, this is not a playground for children. They think that he is attacking them, but he's actually a warning. Mm-hmm. It's only when you go back and you watch the film again, you realise this warning them from from the beginning. But it's, it, it's dark, it's a lot darker than you expect. Yeah. Uh, and the, and you know Constance being in kept in the cage, and the, in the circus, it's that's a really yeah,
0: that kind of yeah, yeah. dark
2: themes in this film.
0: Absolutely, uh, I haven't. I have another. let's throw another genre and see what happens in that I was struck by the opening shot of the movie um, which is this kind of autumn leaf kind of going across the camera and then you kind of follow it as it sort of floats about a bit and I first started thinking about Forrest Gump because of the Zemeckis link Mm -hmm. but actually a sort of didn't get very far with that but if there's if there's thoughts on, on how this film is really Forrest Gump Chris seems to have any no I'm not um, I'm no, mean, no, no, I mean
1: no. a lot of motion capture films begin with long shots oh, f- of stuff. Of, so the opening of, of Christmas Carol is a long kind of track through the city Right. there's a yeah, very yeah, famous yeah. sequence in in the Polo Express the golden ticket sequence that follows a ticket so it flies out the train da 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 and then comes back again uh, and this film yes. begins with this kind of following the, the, the serendipitous path of a, of a leaf so they kind of like The unconstrainedness in,
0: and and there's lots of kind of there's a a lot of these films seem to like these sort of mocap films. Another thing they like is the kind of they love these impossible camera shots, don't they? Like you know the 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 impossible possibly long long take in Tintin that kind of goes over exactly goes over and round and does a loop de loop in in a way that you couldn't capture physically. So yeah, that's and there's a lot there's a few of those in here. I've got like impossible camera movements written down, but yeah. So anyway, so I started thinking about Forrest Gump for a bit, and then I actually was reminded. Of the opening shot of uh, Todd Haynes's uh, *Far from from Heaven*, the, um, right, yeah, the yeah. pastiche of circian melodrama, yeah. which again starts with this kind of autumn leaf falling across the camera, America. yeah, and like falling yeah. down in this sort of beautiful um, Bernstein um, score, isn't it? Um, uh, is it Bernstein? Uh, Todd Haynes. No, the, the 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 composer, but I can't remember. It, it, no, no, but, as in of of um far, far from, far from heaven. heaven. Yeah, I can't. Let remember me not. quickly. It's it's a it's a it's a grandiose figure from sort of classical Hollywood doing it, yeah. uh, and that is of course riffing also on um uh all that heaven. Oh, I was right. Great, great, great. Uh, all that heaven allows the kind of and I don't know. All of these thoughts started making me think a about kind of melodrama. Well, it, it kind of is. Like it kind <laughs> love of. love it. it. <laughs> it's kind of. It kind of is. It's a domestic um. Drama about kind, of, I mean, just these circular melodramas about a sort of it's about gender, isn't it? And, and the house becomes a prison uh, for gender, and the way that's articulated in the film is through the excessive use of style, the the use of design. I like this. Yeah, here we go. And in a way, this is a kind of, and that's and that's used to articulate the kind of displeasures and traumas and and in, in uh, the inequalities of gender in those movies. This is a child's. Uh, Sirkian melodrama in that the whole kind of first 10-20 minutes are like the house becomes inhospitable the house he's living in becomes inhospitable we have all yeah. these scenes with um, Maggie her uh, is his uh... Z yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like kind of making the house that is his hostile to him yeah. um, as a way of articulating the kind of unfamiliarity of growing up and the world getting yeah. a bit more adult and mature yeah, and then it. they go into a space that is absolutely yeah. hostile to him and it's all yeah I don't know that's there you go it's a Sirkian melodrama drama Brilliant. um about but but with but 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 using style excess, design to speak yeah. of the child's experience rather than the case of that the kind of the, the gendered yeah. experience i
2: think that's really interesting i mean um, the leaf at the beginning i always think it's the homage to zemeckis and because of zemeckis's connection to the film mm. because of the feathering yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but it's like it's establishing like taking us down into the viewpoint of the child from the leaf and then the, the leaf is kicked you know off under the bicycle wheels of the little girl so it's establishing us you know we've got to be from the child's point of view but um, I think spaces is really mm. a really interesting theme in the film you know like it's true like DJ's home becomes inhospitable because he has um, bones round yeah. you know and she's not meant to have house guests and um, he feels a little bit cast out his bedroom is no longer the safe space because although he was looking through his telescope he's the Jimmy Stewart character and really. We know it's yep. safe where he is the monster doesn't come you know the psychopath doesn't come into that space but the monster has does with its long shadow so um, he has to he has to leave that safe childhood space uh-huh. it's true um, and then he's out on the street and then he's got to venture into this into this you know nightmarish horrific space but that's also Kind of fun, mm. yeah. <laughs> and it's and it to me it's about the childhood transition, it the child transitioning into the teenager, you know, um, and getting ready to leave childhood behind, um, what almost like. One last adventure before growing up. Yeah. But what I then love about the film is that that doesn't actually happen. The spaces um, are shared by children and teenagers mm-hmm. in most house and I really, I really like that about it. So um, Z, you know, um, she's kind of this formidable character for DJ, but. At one point, you know, when she's, she's pretending to be the responsible grown-up and then she realizes that they've gone and she says, oh, they have, they've gone already. And then her voice flattens and she um, she kind of like shares this space it, with DJ in that sense. Like she's on his wavelength. Mm. And there were other instances when um, Bones is looking for his kite and oh, he yeah. says, oh, my awesome kite. And he reverts back to his own inner child yep. in that moment, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's really interesting when they go to the arcade. You know the space then of the of the arcade, and they go to see Skull, and they go to get advice from him, like how do we defeat the house? And it's such a ridiculous child question, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's mm. this, this is a supernatural thing that's going on. Uh-huh. Um, but, but instead of Skull sort of playing his arcade games, he turns around and he says, "Oh, you have to do this. You have to kill a heart." And then he goes, "Oh, um, have fun getting killed." Mm. To them. Uh, you know, and uh, and then he runs away, and then runs back and steals some of their chocolate. It's just these really interesting moments in the film. That's this celebration of childhood, but it's forcing children into new spaces. But those spaces are shared spaces with the teenagers. Mm. So it's really only the adults that are not part of that um, scenario. DJ at one point says, um, uh, "I think it's when." Um, when Jenny rings her mum and her mum doesn't believe her, she says, "Oh, she didn't believe me." And DJ says, um, "It's too much for the adult mind to comprehend."
0: Yeah, <laughs> such
2: a you know, it's, <laughs> they get very philosophical about that space that they're they're existing in. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: and it's yeah,
1: it's. it's cool. So we've got. I'm trying to. Th- I'm gonna. I'll be p- picking pick your brains in terms of kind of children and childs. So we've got children. Oh, I don't know whether we, whether we agree with these various categories. So we have got children. You said we're having one last hurrah before mm. they... Uh, but but often we think of maturity in children as being... that They are children behaving as adults, as if children couldn't be precocious and yeah. political or whatever. Mm. So I'm thinking children as adults. We've got children being children. We've got Skull as this kind of adult being a big kid when mm. he plays the, the games and stuff. We've got adults... As adults, we've got teenage like kind of, but I think both Z and Bones are these kind of wild. So, so essentially, my question is: in in your um, kind of work on children and childhood, how much is a film like this actually? What's it saying about adulthood? Do a lot of these films about childhood? They're also making claims about adulthood and what what adulthood is or is not. And it seems like the villain is 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 quite the house I don't know the the, the villain is an adult
2: mm.
1: it's a malevolent force but it's it's an adult in Toy yeah. Story 3 it's a cuddly little bear it's lots so it's but it's an adult And it's, so I'm just wondering about all these different ways that the film is negotiating children's experiences because you said right at the start you know, it's actually refreshing to see a film like this yeah. it's you know the, the films are the children are integral to the way that the film is made the children are integral to the way that the narrative is unfolding the film itself thematically is about childhood but is this also not a film about adulthood yeah. or what adults are not and how they should act and questions of responsibility and care and all that sort of yeah, stuff. I
2: think that all of those are brought into question in the film. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a film that's about negotiation. I think between different spaces. Yeah. But the adults are not represented well in the film. No, They're, no. Sort of the parents are trying to. One of them's trying to let DJ go, um, let him have his fun, and then the mother is trying to hold on to him, and is very aware that he's now the adolescent. So yeah. the parents aren't able to cope with DJ's <laughs> um, status as he is, and he doesn't transition. At the end of the film, he goes trick or treating, so they've got nothing to be worried about in the in that immediate sense. Um, but but yeah, I think the adults are held accountable. Mm. You know, Constance, um, the, the kids are throwing things at her. You know, and she loses her balance, and she becomes the I malev- male, Can't say that word. Malevolent. 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 You're
1: gonna leave that in as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> sorry, male- sorry, sorry, yes, Jane. Sorry, yes. Malevolent. She becomes <laughs>
2: this force that um, is then that's that's the only force, the adult force that is within the child world until mm. cracker comes back into it towards the end. So, so
1: I guess allied to that, mm. I also feel a lot of films about ch- childhood or children are also about exceptional children. That they are somehow different and outsider, or that they're, they're kind of outsiderdom is central to what the film wants to do with them. That Elliot is somehow exceptional and has that Connection yeah. with with ET, or they're
0: exceptional because of their their you know admirably capable or something like that. Yeah, you know, and like I, they're all oh, look. This child's managing to deal with it all. Like you know, there's, there's a certain implied exceptionality. To, yeah, to that as and, well. And and
1: then of course animation can really play with this. So you get Stewie in Family Guy, who is an adult, is basically Rex Harrison, but he's exceptional in terms of his brain and his ability for invention, all this sort of stuff. Is part of is part of this the power of this film for you? Mm. Maybe not. That these aren't necessarily exceptional children. Yeah. They're just
2: yeah, they're just kids. I mean, DJ, yeah. in a sense, well, he's. Given, it's a different kind of exceptional. Yeah, he's given yeah. exceptional power in the sense that Nebuchadnezzar says, "Like, it's over to you now," because Nebuchadnezzar can't can't do that in yeah the that film. so but yeah i think that these are normal kids behaving in a normal kid way like you know you always read that, that you know about childhood that they need something the worst thing in the world is is boredom for a child <laughs> so the child relishes the adventure because yeah. the child never has a sense of its own mortality at that age, so you know that's why the child space and the fantasy space, the horror space, mm. can be negotiated, and becomes kind of like a, a child's own space. Um, uh, I think that's it. But it's it's that they are they're normal. Jenny is like a, a maternal character, and ends up mothering childer DJ is kind of full of conflict about who he is, you know, it's his own identity. His voice is starting to break and his jumper doesn't fit him. And he's wondering who he is, um, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's, he's at that age where he's going to challenge authority. Um, and he's proud of the things that he's achieved at the end of the film. Mm. And for him, those are great things. You know, he's peed in a bottle. (laughs) Mm. Um, He's blown up the monster, and when he explains that to the little girl, who we see at the beginning, we then see her at the end. Um, She says, "What happened? What happened to the house?" Uh, And he said, "Well, it turned into a monster, so I blew it up." Mm. And she kind of just shrugs and smiles and walks off because that's acceptable in the child world. That doesn't make children, um, you know, really gifted or anything. It's just part of their day-to-day lives and oh yeah well I did
1: this thing yeah no, I think negotiation feels right right and maybe that's also links in with the sort of circian element like negotiating I'm thinking you know stuff like all that heaven allows and even you know far from heaven is this sort of pastiche of that it's in far from heaven it's about Julianne Moore and, and Dennis Quaid and I can't remember if they've got children in the film the way that the children relate to the oh it's the neighbour isn't it who's the main I'm just thinking of all that heaven allows or even um, uh, uh, written on the wind Mm. um, it's often about the children, Dorothy Malone in, in Written on the Wind as the child and, and so a lot of circuit melodramas are about the negotiation children negotiating adult relationships and Written on the Wind circuit Cirque's film. Oh. Um she has to take over her father's kind of oil drilling business at the end and she kinda of collapses. So there's just an interesting I, I wonder whether that cirquean element is I'd not never thought about that. But the real the orangeness of the leaf is so cirquean. Like it's so like it really sets the, well, I'd never really thought about well, that.
0: Yeah, I mean the way I sort of thought with it is is that, you know, we often think about those films as being very political of their use of style mm-hmm. because, you know, well, because of all the writing that's been done on Cirque. Um, but why can't we think of this? I mean, it sounds like you are, Jane, thinking of this, but, you know, um, yeah. it, it, it isn't a natu- as, na- as natural a tendency to think about, you know, the way animation... Well, I guess it, it leads to the question of sort of what childhood animation... They're not so natural bedfellows as um perhaps culturally we like to yeah. assume they are because yeah. there's so many tensions embedded within it, obviously there are some things that we could draw out of what animation is that we might associate with childlike processes mm-hmm. drawing p- art you know playing with the world trying to represent the world um, these kind of arts and crafts activities but of course animation is 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 you know and the more I Talk to animators on this podcast and uh, and mm. things like that. The more technical and adult mm. it sounds compared, even compared to live action. At least live action has this element of spontaneity and play. When you film uh, <coughs> a lot of just processing and, and it's, you know, and, and working and doing another draft and, you know, very workmanlike processes. So, yeah, I guess I'm trying to, th- you know, it, w- w- why can't we think of, st- of, of or, if it doesn't work in that way quite so easily, why can't we think of the way in which colour uh, design is being used to make an askance view of the world in this film? That allows it to get at these childish issues as a kind of reconciliation yeah, yeah. of
1: that. In the same way, you know, I just people don't
0: think I, about Cirque in those yeah, terms. Yeah, and
1: I just I don't think I've ever underst- I've never read anything that describes an animation as a melodrama, in the way mm. which which is feels like it should. Because one could argue that Cirque is a kind of he's animating through color, as you say, through yeah. kind of the way in which um, he's in, he's create he, he's creating drama through. Quite an intense artificiality, which is kind of really what anime. That's how Wells would define animation. You know? yeah, not inhabiting yeah. a world, but building one from scratch. Um, but yes, and also you know we, the way that adult animation is theorized. Adult. What is adult about this film? Or it's you know knob gags and it's Bakshi counterculturalism. And yeah. uh, but we don't do the same theorization for what's child. What what's interesting about animation for children? Which is clearly yeah. why the work that you're doing that's leading how do we theorise the child in relation to animation when Mm. technically all animation is adult animation because you've watched Monster House yeah if if adult animation exists then it is Okay, it could be a biography. It could be a Walter Bashir. It could be a Persepolis, but it could also be music videos or something in a gallery, or it could be um, satire, yes. Family Guy. It could be could be Ralph Bakshi. We so, tend
0: we tend to only use the term if it if it if something is salacious. If it excludes yes. the child possibilities, yeah, yeah. Yeah. then it can be adult. Yeah, but we won't. We wouldn't. It doesn't work the other way around, There's no there's no child
1: animation that excludes adults, the adults because know. adults watch it with their children, yes. or, or they watch it, it for research, and, or they um, just watch it. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah.
2: That's, it, it, that's just a sh- it's a shared audience. And it's always the dual audience, and yeah. and it can be problematic when it when you've got children being represented in the film. But um, it's like uh, children's animated horror. Mm. You know, I mean, and this kind of like it is, it is, but it's it's sort of a light touch, I think, in terms of animated horror if you think about paranormal, and that's yeah. you know it's zombies it's, it's kind of yeah. slightly different or it's very light-hearted yeah. um, but, but this is kind of crossing into interesting territory I think and I think the melodrama um the idea of it as a melodrama does work is I think they're deliberately leading us into a world it's the same world as E.T. You know? Yes it's that Which same is, suburban you know. world where you've got, you've got the family melodrama in E.T. And you've yep. got the things going on the single single parent and, and family home but it's also um, you know the links to poltergeist as well mm. in suburban league. just trying to
1: make a link between the, the Elliot on the bike and the fact that she opens yeah. on a trike yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. Um, is there anything we haven't got the only thing I was going to say was about kind of about the, the historical period the sort of early 2000s where a lot of these studios are creating remember we talked about um, uh, image movers as much but um, I've been interested in how a lot of animation units started to integrate computer animated films into kind of pre-existing workflows so DreamWorks move DreamWorks and Disney move from cell to computers. Pixar have always been computer animation. Um two thousand and three Lucasfilm founded Lucasfilm Animation. Um, uh, Zemeckis' Image Movers founded a separate division with Walt Disney under the banner of Image Movers Digital. Paramount Pictures introduced Paramount Animation. So there's, this is also a time where computer animated films are sort of growing. Famously 2005-2006 has been credited as a kind of saturation point because of films like mm-hmm. Over the Hedge and Cars, and who perhaps perhaps didn't do as well as some of the previous Pixar films so of course the market, the response by the, the popular Hollywood Uh, the Hollywood trade press is to go well there's too many of them now heaven forbid that a film could just not one film could yeah. Just me not very good. Um, it so uh, weird, it's just an interesting time, I think. It's yeah. a
2: weird year, two thousand six as well. It's like um, Monster House was nominated for an Oscar I can't remember it's gone out of my head who won it. It wasn't Monster House that year, but
1: let's let's do a quick let's do a quick to the Google,
0: machine. Um, so the Google um, machine. Yeah, but, mm. but 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 in a weird, how in a weird way In what way, sorry. Um,
2: no, it's just a, a weird year for animation, a weird year, I think. Yeah, 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 just fun. generally when you look back. Things are
0: a bit in flux in terms yeah. of where things were and when things are. What, who, Happy feet. Okay, another which weird which, movie? Which, prompt, yeah. which, which, which,
1: which prompted Pixar to put that in the motion captures are cheap. This is 100 percent animation because we just lost the Oscar to Happy Feet and we're not happy about it. Okay. That's really what that's. They yeah. they pretend that's not the case, but if anyone at Pixar is listening, they're not. Um, that's <laughs> what. That's why that's kind of in there because this is also when motion capture is popular but hasn't quite reached yeah. that tipping point yeah. of mm, and then and again I have not really thought about that post Mars and these mums rehabilitation of the technology, because also Mars Needs Moms is the same year as the film that you mentioned, Tintin, which is I think is really great actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, after that it kind of retreats a little bit and we move away from motion capture and feature length animation more mm-hmm. towards it as this kind of effect and stuff like that. Um, is there anything else we haven't mentioned? Anything in your notes that we want to chat about before we wrap up or we can give some time over perhaps for you to, to talk about your um, kind of British Academy the kind of project so the secret space of childhood in animated and live action cinema performance preservation and metaphor Um, what are some of the questions that it's sort of dealing with
2: so um, this research um, is some funding that I've got um, that's going to tap into my new book that I'm writing excellent so um, that's children in animated film and television but as part of that there's one chapter where I'm looking at the child in the archives right Um, So I'm going to go to look more closely at BFI and uh, Margaret Powell Library at UCLA. Um, Just to kind of like pull that into this one chapter, which is about the child's gaze. Whose gaze is it? What's happening there? Um, But it all ties in with the childhood as being um, this secret space that the adult viewer um, is privy to, because we can can look at that, you know, animation is always addressing the dual audience. Um, but the power of the child and that it mm. comes back to the child and the child has having agency. So um, that's what that research is for. Yep. It's really interesting and it feels like I'm at the sort of just at the tip of this huge <laughs> child shaped iceberg. <laughs> and,
0: and as there's been evidence in the conversation on Monster House, it sounds like your work taps into some really interesting questions about. How we, how we get the child to perform, the spaces we ask them to perform yeah. within, yeah. the yeah. technologies by which we mediate and show that performance and how all of that inhibits or allows for an expression of yes. identity and the child's inner... Um, or the, the child, the, the individual child's identity on screen. So yeah, yeah really yes, fascinating amazing. stuff. Wonderful, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, you James. so much for going on the, for, for on the podcast. It was yeah. really great to unpack the film. I like it more. So I think uh, the circular um, so, stuff is. Yeah, I really yeah. like okay. that. Love that, that idea. Cool. So it's good. I always like. Always. You, you, usually these conversations either. Uh, uh, well, they sometimes affirm what you already thought, but usually they make you either think less positive or more positive yeah. about the film is yeah. definitely the latter um, in this case so thank you for sharing the film with us. Um, you. you can find us at fantasy-animation.org um, where you can find the uh, archive of blogs and podcasts. Um, have we done motion capture before on the uh, podcast? Do you know
1: what, I can't, I would have to, as I don't seem to know the contents of oh, what we, what none we, of we us did. None do We obviously more. have the footnote on motion capture yeah. um, which is kind of a whistle stop tour, th- nothing like what we've talked about but kind of a, a, a quick tour through some of the lit- Literature, I yeah. guess, on motion capture as a kind of a technology of representation. I think we should do more. I'd love to do yeah, 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 um, yeah, Tintin, shows. but um, I think, yeah, as an effect, we've obviously done motion capture when we've done kind of the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. stuff, which this episode may or may not be out in time, but we'll see. No, it is out. Yes, yeah, so we've already done The Hobbit and discussing Gollum and VFX we and have. things like that. Yeah. Um, and we've definitely talked about children a few times on the podcast never yes. quite in this way and that was yeah really yeah we've done Cat we Lester and Gremlins and yeah. um, horror, um, yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, and you can follow us on Twitter Facebook uh, and Instagram at Fan and in Research F-A-N-A-N-I-M Research you can use that same handle at gmail.com to suggest um suggest examples for other footnote episodes was there something we touched on here that perhaps could be expanded and explored a bit more clearly um let us know and we'll try and cover it in a future episode otherwise time to uh i don't know return to the safety of, of domesticity and go home uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, or a Or wander into <laughs> yeah. a circuit you will be the judge of that thanks for uh listening and we'll see you next time bye